You're listening to Campus Review Radio. So for you, what are the key takeaways of the No Mind Left Behind report from the McKell Institute? I guess we looked at the sector and we, we, we were very conscious of the challenges that face the sector and we wanted to um, think about some thought leadership that maybe came at it from a slightly different angle to um, some of the other commentary. And so we talked to Mikkel and, and then obviously Mikkel decided to do the report, which we supported and, and sponsored that. And so um, <clears throat> they came up with, with No Mind Left Behind. Um, and I guess it's interesting, isn't it, to think about the relevance of the sector. You know, we work with a young guy called Taj Bapari. You've probably heard of Taj. Um, and we've had Taj work with us on a couple of different events. And we're really struck by, you know, he's 17 years old. He's founded his own tech startup. He's about to move to New York to build a business in America. And yet our conventional schooling system is not in any way responsible for the skills that he has acquired. He, he basically taught himself the skills he used in building the business. And he has no plans to go to uni because he doesn't see the point. And I think that really encapsulates, it's, only a, it's obviously a sample of one, and he's a remarkable young man, but, but there are lots of stories like Taj, actually, of people who are figuring out they don't really need to go to university to get the skills for, for the future. Um, we talked to a large professional services firm who are so disenchanted with the quality of students they're getting that they're actually They've actually designed their own program for school leaders to train them in accounting and accredit them through the, the professional accounting bodies. Now that's that's a pretty that's a that should be a pretty alarming message for the sector about what's the what's the standard of students coming through, what's the relevance of the sector, and and so on. Mm-hmm. And then you know, sorry, I'll pause there for a sec, sorry. No, I was just going to ask you, what do you think led to this perception of uni being a waste of time among people like Taj? Well, it's interesting, you know, Taj, Taj talks about it's no longer important what you know, it's what you do with what you know. So universities were established because that was how you acquired knowledge. You, you know, you went to a university, you, you learned from very uh, skilled and experienced academics, experts in the field, and they, they helped you acquire the knowledge you needed to progress in life. And that's still the model. But these days, of course, you, there's lots of different ways you, you can acquire knowledge. So really, how does a university, how should a university adapt uh, to meet those, meet those challenges? So Taj says, as I said, it's what you do with what you know. How are universities helping students change the way they learn, change the way they apply their knowledge? I think they would actually be, we're actually at a, a university distance education conference today that's discussing that issue amongst others. So that's a bit of a challenge, I think. Um, if, you, if you then start to dig into the report, there's some quite alarming statistics, really, about the fact that uh, whilst, you know, I think sometimes you think we've moved on from the idea that your postcode can predetermine your future, what the report shows is actually still largely the case. Uh, as, as you might, if you've looked at the report, you'll see that it's got 17 criteria, looked at different data sets and come up with the analysis the index of educational opportunity and you know surprise surprise it's still those mm. electorates that are in the in the sort of the the low to average socioeconomic areas are still the ones that, that are less advantaged across a whole range of different criteria mm. interestingly last week the P- peter shergold um committee also released a report which looked at sort of issues around admissions to university and 
whilst you know whilst we've done a good job in australia in widening access from people from disadvantaged backgrounds you know the bradley reforms did a lot of that and the targets that were set through that process but uh, the issue now, of course, as I looked, I looked at admissions. Is if you don't, if you do, if you come from a, a less advantaged family background, you're going to find the admissions process to university pretty pretty intimidating. If you don't have a good start in university because you haven't worked through the admissions process, you're actually not off to a, not not on a path to succeed through university. So, I think we're seeing these themes repeated over and over. And the Shergold report, as it's been called now, also did conclude more or less that your postcode determines your ATAR. So there's a flaw in the entry systems there. And, That's right. Yeah, and I was just wondering, so if you were, say, in Taj's position, would, would have you gone to uni and would have you seen it as a waste of time? So I, I won't tell you how many years ago I went to uni, <laughs> uh, but uh, I went to uni at a time when pre-internet. So the way you the way you acquired knowledge when I went to uni was, was really you had to go and learn. You had to go and sit in a library for three or four years or you had to go and help experts teach you. Um, I, th- I still believe very strongly that there's a, a very important place for university. I think that universities really need to think, though, about much more about their customers. And I think this is the, this is the inherent uh, tension within a university because we know that universities focus rightly on their research, and that's a critical part of what they do, but they rely on, on undergraduate funding to drive their business. They don't really focus enough, and they would admit this, on on the user, on the, on the on the learner. So how do you make the learner the focus of, of their business? We think a lot about learners because as a commercial organisation, we see them as our, you know, critical customers. And there's also the flip side of uh, Taj's position where a lot of young people go to uni for the, simply for the sake of it because it's seen as the norm. And a lot of these students, they're the ones who often end up dropping out or being unsatisfied with their qualification at the end of it. So what do you think we can do to help students plan for university better? I think there's a, there's a there's a number of things. I think we need to we need to help think about the skills that students need. They don't always leave school with the skills they need to succeed in university. Some schools do a really good job of this, but lots of them don't. They don't they they focus a lot. And this comes out in, in the report as well. They focus a lot on the content, the curriculum content, but not enough on so-called 21st century or general capability skills. Those are the skills that you're going to need to succeed. You know, most undergraduate courses have a component of group work. Just for example, if, if you don't really know how to collaborate uh, because you have, it hasn't been part of your, your high schooling, then you, you're going to find a hard time uh, learning how to work in a group and have a hard conversation with a group members not performing. All those sort of life and social skills are really, really important. As well as that, there's an understanding of what are the insights that you need as a student as an undergraduate student, about your own personal learning style. How do you learn as, a, as an individual? We're all different. So how do I learn? How, how, should, how should my learning progress? Um, what, are the, what are the challenges in the way that I know that I learn? And again, if, the, if there's not enough of that in school, then students will struggle. Uh, I think um, the second thing I'd say is that there's a massive opportunity for data. Now, data's, uh, you know, Bit of a flavor of the month at the moment isn't it but mm. um i i i think actually that's because we're not seeing yet it's it's still fairly immature we're not seeing the, the, the sophisticated applications of data and frankly a lot of that's because data within university lives in lives in lots and lots of different silos and it's not managed and and analyzed centrally but there is a massive opportunity you, you know every time a student hits a hits a the the button on a computer 
in, when they're in a learning management system, that's a piece of data that can be analysed. You know, how long do the students spend on task? How long did the student spend before they disengaged and turned off? When did a student last flunk a, a, t a weekly test? What, what sort of background does this particular student come from? Are they on a path to fail before they even get going? So finding ways to bring together all this data and then allowing institutions to figure out how to intervene early could, could provide a, a very significant business opportunity and a mission opportunity for, for universities. Universities want to attract and retain students through to completion. We still lose 15% in first year and we lose a whole lot more before graduation. So that has a that has a business impact, it has a societal impact, it has a personal impact on each of those students. Now, you know, it's, it's not to say that some students won't find another very good path in life. University is not for everyone. But I think that there's a lot more that the sector acknowledges it could be doing to provide really engaging and compelling education. And a big thing that stood out to me in the roundtable that responded to the report is that all the panellists agreed that careers guidance in schools needed need reimagining. I think Taj men mentioned a lot of pa a lot of careers counsellors should be asking students about their hopes and aspirations rather than solely on their on, on how to get a job. So I'm just wondering what's your thoughts on that? I think that's really true. You know, I love the Ken Robinson, the famous Ken Robinson TED talk. And he tells a story in there about a guy who wanted to be a fireman and his school said, well, you can't be a fireman, you need to be a teacher or an engineer or whatever. And he went on to become a fireman and one day in a, in a car crash, he saved the teacher who had given them this advice. And he said, Ken Robinson was speaking to this young man and he said, I hope he thinks better of me now. The point is, he desperately want, wanted to be a fireman. That was his and, you know, Ken Robinson wrote a book called The Element, which is all about finding your own personal element. I think schools have a, and again, it's really hard to generalise. We've got nine and a half thousand schools in Australia. Many of them do a really great job in helping students identify their strengths and they have different ways of doing that. But I think there are a lot of schools that just focus on delivering the curriculum and not enough of not enough time in helping students discover what is their passion in life? What are they really, what are they good at? And the kids who, who might be seen as being troublemakers, why are they acting up? And, and what's, what's that about? And, and what's that telling us about the sort of people they are and maybe what their skills and strengths and opportunities might be in life? The thought that you lose people like that because the system just just destroys them uh, is, is, you know, pretty, uh, pretty disappointing.